What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Move Local Podcast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me are my two co-hosts, William and Donald. Boys, how are we doing today? Really good. We've got a beautiful fall day out here, and we um, are in a pretty pretty cool location for our podcast today, but we'll, we'll get into that as we come along. Yeah, I think uh, we're doing pretty cozy, eh? Cozy is a good term, <laughs> yeah. yeah been looking forward to this one for a while so this is cool to be here for sure yeah we're officially moving local like we moved we, we got up we left our normal podcast recording area we drove we saw some nice scenery some deer on the way in so i feel like we're officially like embracing the movement <laughs> for lack of a better term um but what we'll do is we'll jump into the podcast we're super excited about the episode today like will mentioned so today we're sitting down with bianca metz she is a tiny home owner. She's all about sustainable living and minimalism. She has her own business called The Giving Tree Family, where she helps people make these transitions and work through these things. And we're super excited to have her on to talk about all this stuff. So Bianca, welcome. Thank you, happy to be here. How's your day going so far? So good, so good. What? I mean, look at where I live. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and I'm excited to get into that. Um, before we do that, why don't we just give some context to the listeners a little bit about you, um, even for us to kind of get to know you a little bit more, like, you know, what are some things that people should know about you? Yeah, wow, oh my goodness. So, um, 32 years young, um, I was born in Nova Scotia, so I'm a traditional East Coaster, and um, yeah, so my husband Justin and I have been together for about 12 years. We have a three-year-old toddler and um, a million-year-old dog. <laughs> named Sadie <laughs> and um, yeah so we goodness we came from Guelph we lived in Guelph kind of our whole uh, relationship and then we've moved around a little bit but we found ourselves in Dundas which is kind of like a mini Guelph and way cooler in my opinion but that's okay 
Um, uh, so a little bit about me, oh my goodness. So I grew up outside of KW, so I am local-ish um, within kind of the southwestern Ontario area. Um, yeah, I went to the University of Guelph. I have a degree in sociology that I'm obviously using, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like all of us. Um, but yeah, I a little bit about me. So one thing I do know is like we're in the middle of like a beautiful area. The outdoors seems to be something that mm -hmm. I'm sure resonates with you. So is that something that's always been part of your life? Is it something that you transition to? It was definitely a transition. Um, I I grew up in the country. I grew up on the river. Um, I grew up with a cottage in Sable Beach, so I had a ton of access to the outdoors. But just the way that I grew up and 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 kind of the lifestyle, my my parents were they owned a business, so we were always traveling and different things. So I guess I had access, but the appreciation really wasn't there until I met Justin. Um, and so that's kind of when the whole uh, appreciation for nature started. Um, like all good things, you should really be inspired by the person that you're with. So that's kind of really when it started. Um, a kind of a key component of my mindset in terms of um, appreciating nature and living slowly and, and kind of living every day to its fullest. Um, and I think listeners would, <laughs> it's not a dramatic piece of the puzzle, but I lost my parents very young. Um, my mom passed away when I was 15 from breast cancer. Um, and my dad had a heart attack about two years after that. So I've had to work very hard. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of, I had some, some help, but that kind of set the pace for the rest of my life, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. really kind of um, ensuring that I, I was healthy and that I, I was surrounded by love and I was, you know, built good friendships and, um, you know, roots and different things. So that kind of really set the pace. So in terms of transitioning, it just really made sense um, for me to live slower and to to not, you know, get into the consumption and, and the go, go, go that I saw that happened to my parents. Um, so that's kind of a, an integral, I guess, component to um, the lifestyle now. Cool. And it sounds like, I mean, a word that comes to my mind is mindful. And I'm just curious, like, I know we'll get into that with regards to minimalism and sustainable living and all that kind of stuff. But before we do that, like, what does being mindful or mindfulness mean to you as a person? Being mindful is, is really just being aware and being careful in your steps, being informed. Um, being mindful is just every, every move that you make, or, or at least assessing a lot of the moves that you make, are are important in some way or another, that um, what you're doing means something to you or to someone else and you're always building to something bigger, you're always building to something better, but you're also understanding that the actions that you have as a person have an impact, always have an impact. So, um, you know, we talk about the butterfly effect, we talk about consumption, we talk about waste, we talk about our lifestyles, we talk about um, our relationships. And just being mindful, taking a step back, and just listening to someone else, and ha taking the time to meet people. You're always talking to people at school, and it's just the the kindest aura you can see in a human, and you know that's because you you care about humans. And so, it's that's what being mindful is: is just wanting to um, to it just sorry, knowing that you're your actions have an effect and mm -hmm. that you should you really should understand what those are do you think sense. most people aren't living mindfully 
I think people are living in, in kind of this uh, consciousness of, a, of awareness. I think we're all aware of certain things in our lives, whether that's um, how we're going to make money or how our relationship is structured or um, how our words can affect people. And um, I think there's a movement right now, and I'm not just <laughs> <using> <laughs> but not intended. Um, there is a movement right now with um, being so much more aware of our actions. So being inclusive, understanding that a lot of our world is rooted in, in systemic issues, be that racism or be that um, the world <laughs> crashing and burning around us. Um, COVID had a really huge effect, I think, with the, with people being mindful because all of a sudden we were stuck in our homes. And so for Justin and I, who have built the, built the foundation of, of a happy home, a healthy home, a self-reliant home, where we were so mindful that, that, you know, when we found ourselves in a pandemic, we were fine um, mm -hmm. for, I mean, lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people... If they weren't before, they are now. And, and and not being mindful is you're kind of going to be left in the dust a little bit because people are making strides to become better humans. They're they're getting rid of vocabulary that's offensive. They are being aware of what their actions have on other people, um, on vulnerable communities, on, you know, how they interpret things, how they speak to their friends, how, you know, everything, how we speak to our family, how we allow people to speak to us. So I think it's definitely a movement and people are being aware of it now. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that I feel like people know what being mindful means or they want to be mindful, but it's hard. It's hard mm -hmm. with certain things, um, be it like just the way that we, the society has been built, um, the way that we have distractions in our lives, whether it be the Internet, whether it be whatever else is going on. So I think people understand the importance of it, but have a hard time getting there. And knowing that mindfulness is super important to you, I think that can go into like the minimalism side of things. Like, has that helped you be more mindful, or was it the mindfulness that helped you adopt like the minimalism lifestyle? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The minimal, uh, sorry, the mindful aspect was that's the key component. Mm -hmm. That is uh, really what sets the tone for everything in terms of minimal living, um, because you can. I find that it, uh, adopting a lifestyle or adopting a word, um, and this will come into one I said before about um, like being informed. Minimalism for for a lot of people is an aesthetic, and so when you know you had these trailblazers like the minimalists come out, um, and you have all the Marie Kondo, and you have all these people who um, are are connecting all of these really beautiful, really, really beautiful concepts that are rooted in, you know, indigenous culture that are rooted in, in any indigenous culture across the world, um, with slow, simple living, that being mindful about, um, everything. So, sorry to kind of go back into minimalism a little bit. The, the concept of minimalism, there's kind of two different components. So you have a minimalism aesthetic, and then you have a minimalism lifestyle if that makes sense so minimalism as an aesthetic is you know whitescape blackscape very um less is more and so but those the aesthetic component really kind of filters into the lifestyle component and so for me i adopt both 
um, just because having less spatially, it really helps with my mental overwhelm and my spatial overwhelm. M living minimalistly as a lifestyle also helps with my mental and spatial overwhelm. So I, I don't have a closet full of clothes that every time I open, I'm shoving everything back in there for the next person I get trampled on. Um, I'm not, you know, washing 800 dishes at the end of the night. I'm not, um, oh my goodness, constantly cleaning, constantly organizing. I, I'm, I'm not constantly picking up after my children and different things. So with being mindful of that, I, I'm mindful of my time. I'm mindful about what my time means to me. I'm mindful of what it means to my family. So mindfulness is really that key component that you really need before you can do anything. So minimalism is one thing, but that's just, a, a, you know, that's a crop, uh, a prop. In a way, mindfulness is really truly the, the mindset. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes, well, in my opinion, you, you sh can kind of do a lot of that introspection and self-reflection when you're looking into a lifestyle change because it's really important to understand why you're doing something. And if you don't have those, those like guiding principles, then you can really get lost. Yeah. And what are those like guiding principles for you? Because I know you haven't always lived like in this time in a tiny home and maybe not mm -hmm. as much of a minimalist lifestyle. So what was the why for you and how did you kind of get to, to the position you are now? Oh goodness. The why. So there, there are a couple of things. The guiding principles are really, it's the foundation. So, um, the guiding principles kind of, uh, at the end of the day, where do I see my life going? How do I see my life panning out? Um, if I were to pass away at 36, like my mom did, what am I going to be proud of the life that I lived? And so, um, a big reason why I mentioned my parents passing away is because this is the fuel for me to, to really be proud of the life that I've lived, to le to leave something for my son and to leave that legacy. And, and, uh, and so with that, with that mindset and with those guiding principles, really understanding, um, that, you know, all, ever, all anyone wants is to be happy. And all we want to do is just, you know, w depending on what your, your goals are, your life goals are, different things. Um, for me, I call them guiding principles because they, they'll always set me and root me back to where, um, to kind of where I belong. And then that way I can make those informed, mindful decisions about what I'm doing. So, um, just being kind and um, giving yourself grace to not go, go, go. Um, understanding that money isn't everything. Um, a big guiding principle is how you measure success. I find that a lot of people are very caught in how you measure success. Is that owning a, su a successful business? Is that um, marrying the right person? Is that having a nice car? Um, how you measure success is really, really a huge indicator on how your life will pan out. So for me, those, those guiding principles always bring me back to, um, to just reality, but also, um, knowing that every decision that I make is either going to make me happy or not, is going to affect the people around me positively or not. And so, um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. I got really no, stuck I, in the No, <laughs> but I think it's good. I think you, I think you laid out a lot of good stuff because again, coming back to that, I think in order for you to understand that, you know, you want to take on this life of minimalism, you had to be mindful enough to define those things for yeah. yourself, which I think a lot of people struggle with. And 
a lot of people yeah. are still working through, which is which is okay. But one thing that I've really appreciated from the very little I know about minimalism, and then even just coming here and just seeing the stuff that you have, is there's a purpose mm-hmm. to every single thing that you have, and it's meaningful to you, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, you talked about going into your closet and not having a million different things to to choose from and all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of those things in our day-to-day lives distract us or pull us away from being able to focus on the things that are meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, from an outside perspective, why I see minimalism or trying to be more minimalist is super important. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some steps that people could take Mm -hmm. to even be like, take a little bit more of a minimalist approach in their life. Oh my goodness. So many things. Um, Again, with it, with everything that, you know, I do kind of being rooted in sustainability um, and one of the major foundational aspects of that is is building a greener future and, and realizing that all of the, like I said, all of the steps we take have an impact on something. So in terms of um, what people can do, uh, educate themselves definitely on what's going on around them. Um, the world is... is a little more of a scary place than we thought it was. Um, and so, and that's not to, you know, fear monger, that's not to create this like concept of eco anxiety or anything like that. But a lot of the decisions that I make are absolutely rooted in, um, being afraid that my son won't have a greener future. He won't have access to the things that I did. Um, if I could just go back to the nineties, that would be great. That was such a wonderful decade, (laughs) um, to be a kid to be a teenager, um, and probably to be a parent, too, because, like, everything was just for a game. Um, but what can people do? So people can, um, just assess what is giving them decision fatigue, and so decision fatigue is something that, um, a lot of people (laughs) suffer from. This is good. No, go go on. This is really good. Yeah, I think this is important. I love the fuel in your eyes when I said that. Absolutely. So, um, we're surrounded by so much, and we're surrounded by consumption, we're surrounded by convenience we're surrounded by messages that make us think the decisions that we're making are convenient for us like you think about skip the dishes and you're like yeah that's such a great concept but when you think about skip the dishes it's inherently telling us that we shouldn't have to do the dishes that we should just pause that aspect of our routine and do something that's more convenient but what is convenient is for us, it's not convenient for the world. So what happens when we skip the dishes and we order in every night? We have a ton of packaging and we have a ton of things that we're tossing out and we have a high input lifestyle now, or high output rather, lifestyle now. So anyway, decision fatigue is so important to assess. So what you can do is just look around you and see what is causing you stress. Is it the pile of stuff at the front door? Is it that vestibule that is always filled (laughs) with papers and it's the drop zone? Um, is it the laundry? Is it um, all of these things? So you can comp- compartmentalize your decision making that you uh, that you take that you go through every day. And so once you kind of have that category of things, for me, for example, p- uh, pre tiny home, um, it was definitely laundry. I had you know three different types of wardrobe because I was working in the corporate world. Um, I am you know outdoorsy, so I have that kind of wardrobe and then um casual thing anyway so just point out what is giving you overwhelm point out what you're where you're spending most of your time wasted and i'm air quoting for anyone who's watching um and so that uh start triaging that start figuring out how you can make those things easier so does that mean you have way too much laundry way too many clothes 
let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about how to purge that. Let's talk about how to make that more sustainable. And by sustainable, I don't mean environmentally. A lot of people are pairing sustainability with the environmental movement, and that is absolutely the case. But when we talk about sustainability, it just means making things more efficient and easier and, and different things like that. So um, and does that mean donating? Does that mean paring down? Does that mean um, reducing that stress? Uh, children and toys, that's a huge thing for a lot of parents. Um, food in your home. Get rid of the food you're not eating. Donate that to a food bank. Um, what are we going to have for dinner? You're staring at a cupboard full of food, but you don't know. Take a look, um, buy yourself a cookbook. Do those different things that can... I realize that was a very broad... <laughs> that's not as easy as that. Um, but making these different decisions that, that people can do, just start decluttering. Is, is kind of a huge takeaway because the second you start decluttering and the second you start seeing space and you start <laughs> you start having to triage all of those different things in your life that are giving you that overwhelm, then you can you can really start to kind of breathe a little easier if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. those are a lot of great things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that sort of idea of decluttering and really evaluating, mm -hmm. you know, going back to where you started the, you know, whether those things are meaningful to you, especially the yeah. things, right? And then thinking about your clothing. You Absolutely. Know, de decluttering, getting rid of those once a year outfits or yeah. whatever, right? How many different yeah. t-shirts do you need, right? For sure. Uh, and I mean, it, people find joy in their wardrobe and, the, and if that's the case, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, when we hang on to certain things, a lot of people, I find a lot of my clients early in, in when I was working uh, with most of them, they were so afraid that I was going to come into their house and just like make them get rid of everything. And that is the, uh, honestly the most unsustainable thing to do because then that's putting waste into the dump. And when you donate, there's a hierarchy of donation that, um, or like a pyramid uh, that some, some donation centers will just throw everything into the dust. So anyway, um, you're right. You really have to be super aware and decluttering is much more than just throwing things out. It's, um, just very much rooted in, in being more mindful about where things are in your house. We're habitual people. We're not really ever going to change, but how can you create different keys and different ways of living that make everything a lot easier for yourself? So multi-purpose living, multi-purposeful living, those are some really key terms that you can think about too with how to make your life easier and, and how to make one thing have more than one use. Um, so that's always a really good kind of mindset trick too. That can even, like, even aside from getting rid of stuff, that could probably inform more so, like, your buying decisions, you know? Like, if you actually evaluate what you already do have, knowing that you don't need to go and get new versions of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just reuse. Everything yeah. you need is probably in your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of houses, this place is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We worked hard on it. <laughs> Probably the coolest place that we've done a podcast in. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to ask because, like, yeah. I've, I've been curious about it. And, um, you know, since I heard that we were going to do this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, like, the tiny house itself. Like, what defines a tiny house? Yeah, so tiny houses, it's funny because, you know, when I talk about minimalism and everyone just assumes I'm talking about, you know, whitescape walls and, and an aesthetic. That's the same thing with tiny houses. And so when I talk about words matter, it's really breaking that down. So the tiny house movement and tiny house lifestyle and, and those Netflix shows really gave the the world of tiny houses. And again, I'm air quoting that for those who are listening. <laughs> um, it, it put it on the map. 
And so for me, when I talk about tiny houses and being sustainable, um, I'm talking, just talking about smaller dwellings. So living in a smaller space because that output is so much less and so much more environmentally friendly. So in terms of this tiny house though, this tiny house is a 30 by eight, uh, 30 foot by eight foot tiny house, making it about 240, excuse me, square feet um, with a loft. And so um, it's on a trailer bed, it's on wheels. Um, so this is, uh, yeah, a definite um, option for, for a lot of people and they find it a really desirable way to live, but it doesn't necessarily have to be on wheels because that, um, it's a lot of municipalities don't support it. Um, the government of Ontario does. Uh, they have it outlined that that um, tiny houses on wheels are are a supported um, structure as long as it's on a permanent foundation. Uh, and so that's what this is. And so yeah, what makes a tiny house? Oh my goodness. Um, it, it, what's in it? I mean, I I'm a big kind of. Uh, um, I was gonna say proponent. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> I um, it's it's about what's in the house that matters rather than, um, you know, what the house is in in essence. Um, you know, I have a strong family, um, strong relationship, uh, a happy kid, and all that is rooted in the lifestyle choices that we make. So in terms of living tiny and living small, you're forced to live um, closer you are on top of each other. <laughs> anyone who looks, or anyone who knows uh, my husband or, or can, uh, has never met him, I can see him online, he's a big dude. And um, I'm not short by any means. I mean, I'm an average height, but I'm not, you know, the tiniest of humans. And so um, you're, you're limited by your space. So you have to be very aware of who's in the home. And even you guys sitting here, like you don't, for me, you don't take up any space at all. Um, I think my house is huge. I get very overwhelmed when I'm in bigger houses and I just don't <laughs> like it at all. Like, I'll never own anything over, I would hope, like 600 square feet. Um, it's just not necessary. Our, our roof is 14 feet high and it's all open concept. But you guys, you might be sitting there and thinking like, I'm a little tight. And I don't know if you are, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I definitely don't um, feel that. That's the interesting no. part. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting part about it. It's yeah. like, I, I know we're in a tiny place, but I don't feel cramped, yeah. which is cool. But it probably really makes you, like, have to focus on the details of the place, right? Mm. Like, talk about being mindful. Oh, goodness, yeah. I mean, it took us about a year to really get it right. And we're still working on it. And by that, I mean designing it in a way that flows. So, you, you know, you think about moving a house. You, we've all lived with our parents. We all moved out. We all lived in dorms. We all lived, bought a basement apartment or bought a house. And you're always, you know, you're moving up. Um, always, people are always upsizing. Um, so the concept of downsizing is very uncom, uh, you know, it's alternative living. That's what people call this. And so my goal is to make it not so alternative, <laughs> um, <coughs> and legal, um, tiny houses on wheels. And so, um, in terms of, of that, you, you find that you move your things from one space to another space to another space, but you don't actually assess how you flow and how you move and how you do things. So with us, we started doing that. We moved in things very little. We we switch out a lot of stuff all the time seasonally. So it's, we don't have a, a full house. Like if I were to go to any one of your houses, we have a fraction of what you have, but we also have a storage unit. Um, but we're just, I switch things out. I'm very purposeful about that. I'm very purposeful about what comes in here and how many uses I can get out of a certain item or 
um, if I need a certain item, I was giving you guys a tour earlier and I was pointing out, you know, we have two plates because we have two adults in the house. Why do I need eight? <laughs> if I have guests over, I can go pull out um, more and I have access to more, but I don't have them in my cupboard because the more you have, the more you grab. That goes into the, that one plate goes into the sink. Well, I don't want to wash it, so I'm just going to grab another one. That one goes in the sink and I don't want to wash it, so I'm just going to grab another one. And, oh, and then all of a sudden you have eight plates in the sink that you now have to clean and, and you hate yourself for it. And so um, that's kind of the concept of, of really being purposeful about it. Yeah. Cool. It took a while to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, you, you've made a nice tiny home here. Yeah. Like, tiny house versus home, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's more like a way, I, I, I just feel like it's more of a principle, like a guiding principle as opposed to like, oh, I just have a tiny house. Like you, you always come back to like, the purposeful thing and the mindfulness thing mm -hmm. and it makes you more connected with your family and it's like it's bigger than just being in a small area yeah S speaking of family i mean i have two young daughters and um we have a beautiful yard but i find that they because of the their things their books their in being inside and having lots of space inside they they have a they lean towards spending more time inside than I would prefer. Mm -hmm. um, how do you find that this lifestyle has impacted Bodhi? Oh my gosh. In so many beautiful ways I could cry, honestly. Um, I, he loves being outside. All he wants to do is be outside. And moving here from our condo when we didn't have access to, to anything, um, it gave us the opportunity to to just re release all of the, the 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 way we have to raise our children and um, all the things we need to be successful parents and and I say that because Bodhi was a newborn in the condo and you have all of these things and then as a toddler growing into toddlerhood in, in the house um, in the tiny house we are limited to our space and so by design Bodhi spends, we spend most of our time outside. So um, one of the biggest reasons, in my opinion, for living tiny, living sustainably, and, and, and raising Bodhi in this manner is to have a relationship with nature. Um, one of my most important guiding principles and a question that I kind of always pose, yeah, we gotta let the dog in. We gotta let the dog in. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny what, house. what was the dog's name again? Tiny house problems. Sadie. Sadie. We gotta let the hundred year old dog in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got a new guest. We got a new guest, everyone. Sadie Bear Metz for you. Hi, Sadie. <laughs> Join in the podcast. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> She'll take over. Um, so one of the, the, the most important aspects of, uh, I think, this lifestyle, moving forward, a greener future, Bodhi's growth, is, um, is access to nature and understanding nature and respecting nature because if you don't have any of those things, how are you going to want to save it? And so for us, it's so important that Bodhi has access to the outdoors. So from a parental standpoint, again, by design, Bodhi doesn't have a lot of things. So he has books, he has toys, he has some construction vehicles that he loves. Um, and he has, uh, you know, he has very few, so our parenting is very minimalist. Our parenting style is very Montessori. And um, in that, you know, you're giving him realistic materials to use. He cooks with us, he cleans with us, he, he whips out the broom every time he makes a mess, he has access to those things. But because our house is small and there isn't a lot of space to play, by design, again, we, we have his outdoor 
toys. He's just always outside. So he helps us in the garden. He's out there with um, uh, shoveling and harvesting. Um, so we're building a self-reliant lifestyle, but in that it includes a lot of work. So for, for parents looking to kind of get more exposure to the outdoors, a lot of people think that, you know, going outdoors means going on a hike and going on a trail and I'm going to go camping and I'm going to get my fix for the outdoors. But it's it's just being being outside and being with nature in any capacity. That's what that means. So, it, you know, in your backyard, building the components that your girls are going to want to love to be around, whether that's their own garden, whether that's a huge sand pit that they have a ton of toys that they can just get messy in. Bodhi has... <laughs> two massive fire trucks and a bunch of construction vehicles and he just goes out in a, in a big rock pile and he pl he'll play for three hours. He'll go want to go on a hike by himself but that's just because he sees mom and dad doing it too. He just wants to be doing what we're doing. I'm in the garden, Justin's you know with the chickens or he's working on the property or he's cutting down a tree or doing something you know manly or whatever um, <laughs> and, and Bodhi just wants to be doing it too so they're watching what we're doing. Um, which is, for your case, is great because you're a movement guy, right? Like, you're always, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Maybe, uh, they just love their indoor stuff. I did, too. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Love it. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, again, they're the product of the environment, right, mm -hmm. that, you, that you bring them up in. And, like, you know, you try to shape it the way that you think is the best and I think this is this is a cool way to do that obviously it, it resembles you and, and your husband's mm. way of living um, one thing I want to touch on maybe just to kind of take it into the, the wrap up here is like obviously mm. you have your own business yes. and so maybe just touching a little bit on like I think you know a lot of the stuff that we talked about um, tells a lot about your business and, and but in more just like you you have like a, a coaching business or whatnot so mm -hmm. maybe you can speak on that Sure. So I have, um, it's, <laughs> I have two kind of components to my business. So, um, the one component that, um, I work actively on to obviously <laughs> bring in money is, um, coaching clients on downsizing. So in that journey, that's all of the things that I talked about today. So mm -hmm. the concepts of minimalism, purposeful space living, um, it's been a lot of content building on my, my part, uh, in early on in the business to, to get people to understand that those components of living are really integral to, you know, the, th the thought of downsizing. And it doesn't mean downsizing um, from a big space to a small space, just means, you know, shifting some things that you have in your home. So I have a lot of clients who um, are moving from a large space to a small space. I have some clients I'm helping source tiny houses or source land. And so there's a whole component on that. And, and so the sustainable living um, specialist aspect of it is to show people and guide people to a sustainable lifestyle, both environmentally and financially. Um, so financial sustainability, just adopting the minimalist lifestyle, you can earn back so much of your money. And, and so I'm kind of rethinking the way we talk about finances. Because when you go see a financial advisor, you're talking about, you know, pay down your debt, build your credit, build your net worth, do, 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 do. But nobody really talks about um, how to actually, it's not a, it definitely is about saving money. <laughs> it's important. Um, but how to not spend your money. And people say, you know, don't, don't, um, don't do this. Stop going to Tim Hortons. Maybe don't buy so much. And, and that 
is easier said than done because again we're creatures of habit so um but adopting these mindsets and and being able to easily set boundaries around money spending is so much easier for a lot of people and then you find that you're spending less you're surrounding yourself with less things and then you're, you're spending less money and so again it's all rooted in the output and living a low impact lifestyle and all those different things so that's kind of the concepts and then in terms of uh <laughs> sadie <laughs> we need to get her nails <laughs> you can hear her probably clip, 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 clip. um and so uh yeah so i assist with people who are moving um there's a huge aging population who are now downsizing right now um so going through with them how to um kind of pick what they should keep and um when they downsize and um they have a whole life's <laughs> worth of stuff so I work with uh, a lot of elderly people approaching retirement, um, people who are moving uh, from one space to the next. But the niche in moving and the niche in downsizing and organizing people to help them move is um, is understanding that you're not just moving from one space to another space, that you can live functionally from one space to the next space, um, and, and in so reducing that spatial overwhelm, reducing that decision fatigue. So there is this whole flow um, of of a movement that um that in the downsizing world but physically helping people do that is what i do the second component <laughs> is the uh is the um how do i create help facilitate this lifestyle for sadie <laughs> how do i help facilitate this uh, this lifestyle for others and so for me that is um being a trailblazer in the tiny house movement and paving the way for um you know, people to attain living in small, sustainable structures. And so um, that includes, um, you know, educating people on, on different bills that are that have been recently um, uh, put through in, in, in uh, the province of Ontario. Municipalities are reshaping what secondary dwelling units look like. Um, so there's a lot of different things that I'm working towards educating people on because oftentimes these concepts um, and these new things that are happening, they kind of... They're not really on a lot of people's radar until someone says, oh, I don't want someone building a tiny house in my backyard. And then it's all coming from like a negative space rather than, oh, oh, everyone can build a tiny house in their backyard. How many opportunities do we have now to build a tiny house in my backyard? Which, when I speak to Bill 108, um, I completely forget if I actually mentioned the bill name. It's called the More Homes, More Choices Act. Um, this is allowing... Uh, residents all across Ontario to now build a secondary dwelling unit in their yard so you can build up to two either attached or a detached or an interior uh, basement apartment or an attic um, so it's uh, just kind of a solution to the affordable housing crisis so what I do is um, sustainable living is rooted in af the af affordable housing and that's one of the biggest motivators for us moving tiny was because we didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck anymore um, so that was important for us and so I really want to help others get there. I want to help others um, be able to find their version of sustainable living. And so uh, with this bill, it will increase rental units, which is really great. Uh, people who own property will be able to build and build their net worth in different things. But it also creates um, the opportunity for people to think about how we live differently. And so that's something that I talk about a lot of. So um, I mentioned the aging population. And this bill will allow people to age in place instead of now flooding retirement communities, um, nursing homes, supportive housing, all of those different things. So if you think about, you know, I'm not sure if you guys have parents who live close by, maybe they have a decent slice of property in Dundas or somewhere in Hamilton. Um, but how cool would the opportunity be for them to build a, a secondary dwelling on their property and have someone come in, even a family member, a cousin, someone going to school nearby, 
and take care of them and take care of their property. So we're land stewards here. We take care of the property here. That's our work exchange um, to live here. So why can't that be the situation for everyone? Reusing land we already have, retrofitting land we already have, um, thinking about it differently, bringing back multi-generational living, bringing back community, <laughs> stop building houses and fences to keep everybody out. So there's this entire concept that I'm um, promoting and building and, and having people think differently about it because this is the way of the future. And so um, I don't necessarily <laughs> make money off of that, but that's not the case. Um, eventually I will uh, be building a consultancy to bring in green builders and, you know, eco-architects and people in that realm. So I'll eventually be consulting on um, people who want to build these units and how to do that, how to go about it and different things. So it'll turn into a business eventually, but right now I really focus on the household and, and the moving and downsizing and different things. Yeah. So that's the giving tree. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Um, last question for you yeah. to wrap up. What does it mean to you to move local? <sighs> to move local. I think it's so important to do everything local. I think keeping your money in the local economy is one of the most important things we can do now as humans. Um, and that means not supporting, you know, large corporations. That doesn't mean going to your local <coughs> Walmart <laughs> and supporting that. That means supporting those small businesses, the, the cousins, the brothers, the aunts, the uncles, your mom, your dad, who own businesses in town. Um, moving local is sustainable. If you, if you look at our backyard, we live in the escarpment. We have one of those biodiverse areas in the entire world. We have, are surrounded by <laughs> Great Lakes. Um, why do we need to go anywhere else? It's, you know, transportation, sustainability, and anything you do that can be done locally is going to create a lower impact. It's going to make you appreciate your back door. Um, people are just so quick to leave that they, they need something else, that decision fatigue. They want to go, they want to get out, they need a vacation, but you know, Everything that you need is right in your own back door, backyard. Wherever it may be. Wherever it may be. <laughs> yes. And so moving local is, is, I think, building that and supporting that and creating a foundation for people just to build community. So it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate the conversation. Uh, one of the things that we always say is like the coolest part about doing these interviews is we just gain a lot of perspective into things that we may not have um, as much knowledge in. And, you know, this was one of those areas that I think all three of us were looking forward to, like learning a little bit more. Um, so, so thank you for sharing everything. Um, yeah. Where can people find more about you? So they can follow me on Instagram at uh, thegivingtree.tinyhome. They can go to my website at www.thegivingtreefamily.com. And professionally, uh, I can be found on LinkedIn, so I do share a lot of uh, things in the in the professional realm uh, with bills and different realtors and uh, people that I work with. Um, but yeah, those main main places I can be found, and you can see what I do. Perfect, awesome. Sadie, you got anything? Wrap up. Clip, clip, clip. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate it. Until next time. <laughs>